Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily. Sounds of the week right there. Brought to you by the fourth annual Ron McBride Love You Man, uh, Love you Man silent auction going on now. Auction includes autographed helmets, footballs from Utah, BYU, and Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, plus power tools, trips, and services of all kinds. Place your bid today at theronmcbridefoundation.org. That's site again, theronmcbridefoundation.org. Going to talk to uh, Howard Beck here momentarily. Gordon, get his thoughts on uh, what he saw from the Utah Jazz last night. Uh, did you see the uh, the ratings uh, for TNT? I didn't see exact numbers, but apparently they were uh, at least double your normal uh, weekday TNT broadcast. Oh, is that right? Yeah, how about that, huh? Uh, good for the Jazz to be able to have an opportunity to be in the spotlight. Although, the way TNT covered that, it seems like there was a whole lot more emphasis on the uh, Clippers-Lakers game. And I understand why that is. And I typically don't really, not overly sensitive about that kind of thing. But the Jazz obviously restarting the league uh, the way they did uh, was uh, was notable. All right, uh, Howard's ready to go. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Of course, Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from the Bleacher Report, he is Howard Beck. Hi, Howard. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing very, very well. I will uh, start the, uh, the uh, interview off simply by asking, how about them jazz, Howard? <laughs> it's a nice start. Good start. Um, you know, I, I I don't know you know how much else to read into it. Um, I think without taking anything away from the Jazz, I think the Pelicans did a lot to shoot themselves in the foot in that game, and I don't mean the whole you know pseudo controversy over Zion's minutes, um, but a lot of turnovers for the Pelicans and seemed a little bit uh, some of their shot selection in the fourth quarter in particular seemed. Uh, uh, not great and not all defensively forced, but I also think, you know, for the Jazz, look, I, after everything that's that's happened, that's been said and that's been written over the last few months, one play doesn't mean anything and doesn't mean everything is healed, but Donovan Mitchell to Rudy Gobert for the game-winning basket, not a bad way symbolically to start this run, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that, uh, Howard. And, and by the way, I mean – Howard, I could talk with you for hours about all kinds of topics that have nothing to do with basketball, but how sweet is it, Jake, to be able to ask Howard a basketball It's great. Like Man, that. it feels good. I mean, it, it does. I know there are still things to worry about and whatnot, but it is nice to be able to ask you that kind of question. And let me let me back that one up with what you thought of, of, of the, the – 
Well, let me have us how to put this, Howard. The sloppy play. I mean, that's predictable, right? Because we saw the same thing with the Lakers and the Clippers. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I've been saying to anybody who will listen for weeks that the seeding games, this is a glorified exhibition season. That's really all it is. And look, for a glorified exhibition season, we had two pretty good games last night on the whole, and they were both exciting. They all came down to the wire, and LeBron certainly wasn't playing like it was exhibition season. LeBron's, you know, busting his butt defensively uh, all the way down to the last seconds of the game and, and looked like he was ready to compete for a championship tomorrow. But that said, because these games don't mean a ton, you know, and they mean more for some teams than others, uh, certainly met plenty for the Pelicans last night. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really weird to say, but that was a bad loss for them, like if they have any hope of, of sneaking into the eighth seed. Um, but it is exhibition season in the sense that no, nobody's played a, a game that mattered since you know, you know early March, and there are going to be kinks to work out, and there's going to be some rhythm to reestablish. And not everyone's going to be in prime condition. But I think on the whole, I think the NBA and, and fans should be pleased that, that this is – pretty high-quality basketball overall, and guys seem to have you know, not only kept themselves in good shape, but they, they seem to be getting a rhythm back pretty quickly. But, yes, it's going to be a little bit sloppier than, and a little less precise than you would normally expect, whatever, the last, the last eight games of a normal regular season, right, where you've had all that momentum and all that, that rhythm built up over time. You know, you, you talk about that being a costly loss for the Pelicans. There's no doubt about it with only eight games to play. And if you're trying to make up three games, you know, uh, ground, I mean, that's going to be really difficult. What team on the outside looking in do you think, and I apologize if I've asked you this before, but what team on the outside looking in do you think would be most likely to make up that ground? Most likely to actually, like, crash the playoffs from, from right. outside the top eight? Right. Um, you know, We'll we'll see how this this Blazers Grizzlies game goes. Like this is obviously a big game because you know Grizzlies are number eight right now, and the Blazers are among the teams that are chasing them. The Blazers, as we speak, have a two point lead with eleven oh five to go. Um, so you know Portland because they got back two starters during the shutdown. They nobody's nobody's gotten better reinforcements. You know obviously your guys you know lost a player in Bogdanovich, and some other teams lost players because they opted out or because of COVID. And here's a case where the Blazers actually got back two really important players in Nurkic and, and Collins. And, you know, they, in a normal season, would not be scrapping for an eighth seed. They would have been solidly in the middle of the pack in the playoff field. You know, they're obviously, you know, a conference finalist last year. So um, they're the team to keep an eye on. I, I would still say the Pelicans, too. Like, I, I'm not going to back off of my, my Pelicans hype. Like, I really think this is a really good team. If Zion hadn't had to leave the bubble for family emergency, and it hadn't been then set back in terms of, of uh, you know, conditioning and getting into rhythm with his teammates. If he hadn't been on a minute restriction, who knows? Maybe they win that one last night. But I just I think the Pelicans are a really talented team way beyond Zion. You know, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, just a really good group. And so, you know, it's, it's Blazers and Pelicans are the two teams that I think have a shot to at least, you know, finish within that four-game window where you then force the play in with the Grizzlies. And, you know, the Pelicans look obviously a little bit worse off after losing down the stretch last night. But um, those, those are still the two teams I'll, I'll stick with saying are, are the ones to watch. Howard, you mentioned Bogdanovich there, and we've talked with you about this in the past. But now that you've seen the Jazz play, one of the things that was a little frustrating, I'm sure, for 
for uh, the team as a whole and for Quinn Snyder in particular was that when people watch that, what did they automatically think? The Jazz are struggling a bit on offense and they're going to struggle without Bogdanovich. If you talk to the players, they think that they can make up for that. Are you buying it? Well, players always think they can. And, you know, depending on, on who else you've got, so for some teams, it's easy. You know, a couple more shots for this guy, a couple more for that guy. But, I mean, look, they're, they're, I don't think the Jazz had phenomenal depth anyway. And when you look at who they played last night, that was a pretty tight rotation, um, which I think speaks to the fact that they don't have a lot of guys they can trust a lot. You know, you're, you're, Now, some of this may be matchup-related. Some of this may be just be early in this, this uh, restart season. But... When you're, you know, you know, Clarkson's playing 32 minutes off the bench. Okay, fine. You you knew like he was a sixth man of the year candidate, and he's had a, he's had a really good season ever since he got to Utah. So that's fine. But you know, Moutier 10 minutes, Yang 13, Tony Bradley 14. I mean, these are not guys you want to play a ton of minutes either. And so, um, I, I I think it, it's not so much that they've lost Bogdanovich, who's a really good player, and they're what second leading scorer and. Great shooter, decent ball handler, playmaker. It's not just that he's gone. You know, he's, it's, it, that's all important. But it's also the ripple effect it has on a rotation and whether or not you have anybody else who really can step into to serious minutes. And not clear if they do or not. We'll, we'll see as this thing unfolds. What did you think about LeBron's performance last night? It would appear that uh, the time off for him might give him a little boost, a little advantage. I mean, that was something that everybody speculated on, thought was a, a serious possibility because, hey, when you're 35 and a half uh, and in your 17th season with a lot of miles on you and, and you know, obviously last season um, having to, you know, his longest injury absence ever, just being able to rest is great for LeBron James. And having all this time off before the most important games, like, who gets that kind of luxury? You're going to be able to take off, you know, a serious amount of time, and then okay, now let's start the playoffs, and I'm fresh. Um, that's pretty great, you know. It, it's like the, the, we always talk about the downside of potential, you know, rust and losing rhythm and all this stuff. Uh, but you know, the thing with LeBron James, of course, is one, you knew he was going to keep himself in phenomenal condition because he always does, and two, um, he, he doesn't need much to get himself back into the rhythm. He's so smart about the game, and he he just reads the game so incredibly well, so beyond most, you know, average, you know, any average NBA player that he can slip back into it that much faster. And, you know, wasn't, wasn't like a, a great night offensively for him last night, scoring wise and whatever else, but he looked really energetic, really spry. And again, defensively down the stretch, he's guarding Kawhi. He's guarding Paul George. He's flustering those guys on, on key possessions. Um, really just looked like he, like I said earlier, he's ready to, to, to go win that championship tomorrow. And uh, unfortunately for him, he's still got a bunch of uh, glorified exhibition games to play before they start the playoffs. And the, and you just talked about it there. That sequence at the end of that game, when the game is absolutely on the line, he takes the shot, he misses it, but what does he do? He gets his own rebound, scores, and then the next trip down the floor, he's covering those two guys you just mentioned, and they couldn't score. I mean, that's... That was impressive to me, Howard. Yeah, and and and, and you know you you could see it happening too. Like it, it just as as this is unfolding in real time, you're thinking, okay, great. This these are those matchups that you really look for as a fan, right? You can't wait to see stars go mano a mano because 
oftentimes in the game they're not going to guard each other except on switches or in situations or in transition because they're trying to stay fresh offensively. And, and so you, you don't get Kawhi versus LeBron 100% of possessions. Um, and here it was, LeBron taking on Kawhi and taking on Paul George and um, and getting the better of it. And, yeah, following his own shot for, for, for you know, key basket. Like that, that just, as I say, it just shows that, that he is fully uh, – ready to go and and he, you know whatever questions people might have had about how you know time it might take for like an older veteran to get back into the flow of things or are they going to be a little creakier or not in his case <laughs> howard beck of the bleacher report with us your daily assist here on 97.5 and 1280 the zone uh going out of the bubble for a moment howard your thoughts on the knicks hiring tom thibodeau and will rj barrett be able to handle the 45 minute a game workload <laughs> well he's young he'll be he'll be fine um <laughs> You know, if anything, in recent years, I would have faulted the Knicks for not giving their young guys enough run. Um, you know, Frank Nielakina's development was just completely suffocated by, you know, a series of, of decisions by a series of coaches who I think were putting more of a premium on trying, flailing about, with trying to win games rather than develop the youth. And, and that's, a, that's an institutional problem. That's, that is a, a franchise problem because – if you want to develop a Frank Nielakina, you know who's a lottery pick, or a Kevin Knox, or anybody else that, that they've picked up, the coach needs to know that the front office has his back, and the front office needs to know that that ownership understands it too. Meaning, if if development is more important than winning, if you already understand that you are not getting the AC, you are not in playoff contention, you are not anywhere near competitive yet, but what you're trying to do is is build up a young core that can win in the future. And the best way to do that is to give them reps. They never got, they never did that. They never really fully committed to that because coach after coach after coach, whether it was Jeff Hornacek, whether it was Fisdale, whoever it may be, they all were structuring the rotations in ways where an Emmanuel Moutier, for instance, would, would play over Frank Nielakina. And so they, that was the mistake that they've been making over and over. Now Thibodeau will have a five-year contract and he also, he's, He's Tom Thibodeau. No one, no one's going to mess with him. He, he's not in as vulnerable position as the last couple of coaches have been in New York. So he'll be able to do what he thinks is necessary. And if that means playing R.J. Barrett a ton of minutes, then he'll do it. Um, I think the bigger concern is, you know, whether – well, there's, there's a couple of them, but I'll focus on this one. When you hire Tom Thibodeau, you're sending a, a, a not-so-subtle message that you think you're ready to compete right now. This is not a, a coach who's coming in to just build guys up or, or, or grow with a team. This is a guy who you get because he's got a reputation for winning at a high level, and the Knicks aren't ready. They're not there. They don't have the players. They don't have the talent. They are years away from being competitive unless they do some dramatic things in the coming off season, And... You know, so now they've raised expectations a little by having this big name coach, and that's a typical Nick thing. You know, they're always going for the name. They're always going to win the press conference and, and trying to get the back page headlines in New York. And I don't think this is a time to be raising expectations. You're not there yet. Um, we don't know how good Barrett's going to possibly be. Is he an all-star? Is he a franchise star? The early signs are no. And Mitchell Robinson, you know, really interesting player who's got phenomenal athleticism and can, can block shots and rebound, but can he do it in a way that's contributing to a winner? Well, we don't know because he hasn't had enough talent around him to see whether Mitchell Robinson can do all those things and stay out of foul trouble 
while playing on a winner. And then they've got, you know, just a, a random assortment of guys around them. Like, what, what, what is the identity of this team? Who, you know, who defines this team? And, and you know, there, there are ways off still. And so um, the real work is, is still to be done. The coaching position or the, who is going to coach them was never their biggest challenge. It's personnel. They need a better roster. Last question from me, Howard. Uh, and I said I wanted to talk to you about basketball, but let me veer off of that a little bit. I wondered what you thought about the players who followed up with their intentions of bringing attention to uh, to uh, racial and social justice and what they did last night. Uh, what do you think of the overall vibe there? Yeah, I mean, I, I said it, you know, right by – put it on Twitter last night when I saw that the first um, the first game, the first pregame, first all, just everything that, that Turner did, TNT did, and then all the way through um, the pregame ceremony and the kneeling in, in unison and locking arms. Um, I, I thought it was, it was really powerful. The imagery of it is powerful. Um, and, it, you know, nice to see the other teams following suit. Um, you know, it's it's symbolism, right? So, you know, it, it's it, it, it is, the, the point is to draw attention. The point is to say that things are not right in this country right now, um, and, and not just right now, have not been in a very long time or ever um, when it comes to racial justice. And as we've talked about, there is a national reckoning happening right now. And I think because of that and because of so many more people are now kind of tuned into it and more open to this discussion, I think the NBA could have – nearly all of its players and its coaches and its referees kneeling in unison and have it not necessarily be that controversial anymore. Um, you know, there are always going to be some people who decide, you know, for their own purposes to say that this is somehow offensive or this is, you know, whatever. They're, they'll, they'll, I'm not even going to give them the pleasure of, of using the labels that they would use. But it, there's a point to this, and the point is to draw attention to racial injustice and to keep our focus on it, you know, the, uh, the, we, we do have, you know, the, our attention has been on it as a country for the last, you know, month and a half, two months. But the point for the NBA players who were going to the bubble was we don't want to detract from this moment. We don't want to, people to lose sight of this. And as a league that is 80% black in terms of the players, you want to make sure that people stay focused on it. And so the, the, um, the messages on their jerseys, kneeling during the anthem, trying to keep the focus on this, mentioning it during post-game interviews, mentioning it during practice day interviews, all of it I, I think is, has been really positive and, and constructive. And, you know, it's, it, it's good to see the NBA, you know, amplifying those messages. Um, and, and, and it's not stopping there. Like if people want to say, well, it's, it's, what, do, what do the words mean? What do the gestures mean? Well, the league has been, you know, at the league level, the player level, the team level, Contributing, whether it's financially, volunteering, they've they've been engaged on these these issues, um, and, and for a while now, and at a higher level right now, and and all of that's a positive. Howard, as always, you're a highlight of our week. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Talk to you next week. There's right. our friend Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report. Talk a little NBA basketball, and yes, Gordon, it does feel good to actually talk about basketball. I can't tell you. I had the best time, you know, here in studio doing the pre-half and post, obviously, but, golly, it was great to sit down and watch a game. And uh, Austin was producing the broadcast. It was good to see a little normalcy, him back, uh, you know, running the ones and twos for David. And it was just good, man. It just felt right. It felt real. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, the games, I wondered how it would go, and they, they have the goofy, you know, fans in the stands or whatever, the things they show and whatnot. But the games themselves, even though they weren't uh, crisply played at every moment, it felt real to me. And I, I, I felt the players were every bit as intense as they typically are. And yeah, I, th- I think all positive signs around. Coming up next, Gordon, do we dare get into a really break it down segment with the game we we saw last night do we do we dare talk some allowed? x's and o's is that yes. can we can we do that we can can we that. share our we observations will. of of what we saw from from the team that we cover feels weird it's, it's I, unheard of i think we should I, do I think it we should yep, <laughs> all right I'm, we'll get I'm to it next you. stay tuned don't forget uh, a special not sports board at 450 it's been it's been really build as something else so i'm, I'm pretty excited <laughs> i'm gonna it. send out a no, push notification i think you no, should <laughs> no it's just an opportunity for you guys to absolutely just swing the hammer on me all right stay tuned the big show gordon uh, gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Gordon, the Jazz win last night, 106-104. Let's, uh, let's get into a little breakdown. Let's talk about the game itself. Let's talk about your observations, the good, the bad, the ugly. Where do you want to start? So let's start with uh, the lack of being able to hit uh, perimeter shots early in the game. And I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. Oh, they end up shooting like twenty six percent from three point. Uh, from three, they were twenty three and a half percent, eight of thirty four. I mean, they took twenty so... in the first half. They were four of twenty. Yes, and it was ugly. It was they could not find the basket, and that really was something we were all watching because we thought that was going to distinguish this team from that point forward. And in the second half, you saw that uh, Quinn Snyder said, "Hey, fellas, get into the paint." You know, and uh, I think the overall shooting was about 44% in the game. But that was one thing that really slapped me upside the head early on. So, yeah, they, they finished at 44%. You're right on the money. Uh, that was up from 32% at half, something like that. So, obviously, from an offensive standpoint, the, the second half was much better. They were 4 of 14 from 3, however, still not, uh, not necessarily ideal. But, you, sorry, go think, ahead. Do you think, Jake, that that was – was that good defense? Was that the Jazz just not being able to connect? The, the reason this is so important is because we had talked so much about this was going to be an emphasis of theirs, the two shots in close to the basket and the three-point shots. But then we thought what happens when they can't connect with those shots? Is it going to be ugly? Remember, we talked about this, Jake, faster, uh, feast or fem- uh, famine, excuse me, and, uh, and it, they still won. Yeah, they overcame it, and I think that's a that's a big deal. I I think they were just off. They were taking good shots. I mean, maybe there was you know the offense didn't work perfectly, but there were very few shots that were ill advised. I think. I mean, you know, George Niang was zero of six from the field, no yeah. of three from three, and all three of those threes were absolutely wide open. Um, so I the, the ball wasn't going down, but I I think that's a good sign that they adjusted and were able to find something else. Um, my observation is, Gordon, I thought the Jazz good players were really good last night. 
They they looked. I thought Rudy Gobert was an absolute monster. He was just a beast. On top of those two free throws, which everybody's talking about. I mean, he had three blocks, twelve boards. Royce O'Neal had nine boards, uh, three assists, and, and two steals. Five of eleven from the field is is not bad for for him. I thought Joe Ingles was good at times when he uh, was not in foul trouble. Uh, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell both with twenty apiece. Jordan Clarkson's second half was was something else. He was great. Right. Loved those those post moves. Josh Hart, he just embarrassed Josh Hart over and over again. I thought that was terrific. The problem is, I just don't know if this Jazz team, and you heard Howard talk about this, I don't know if this Jazz team has enough good players. The good players played well, but when the good players came off the floor, things got ugly quick. Well, remember before the in the pregame, I was saying how Donovan had this, Donovan, Rudy, and uh, Mike Conley had to combine for 60 points. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't total them up. Uh, Donovan had twenty. Uh, well, I mean, they were close. They weren't too far off. No, they uh, were good. I, they were about I, fifty. How many points did they have? Fifty, fifty-five. For 54? Donovan, Rudy, and Mike Conley, they yeah. were at fifty-four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was it was south of where I thought it needed to be, but they still got the victory. Like we're talking about, Jordan Clarkson is going to. You brought his name up because remember when I was talking about those three. That was the first name you added to the mix. Yep. He's going to be key to this thing, Gordon. I'm telling yeah. you. He's going to be yeah, I, he's going to be key. He's going to get a lot of opportunities and uh and uh, afterward uh, Quinn Snyder talked about him and his he was asked about his contributions and he said when he when he is doing things the right way, he's awfully tough to stop. So, yeah, I agree with you because uh the Jazz don't have a whole bunch of names to throw out there. Those guys, those four guys in particular, are going to have to be great. I I agree, and I thought at times Clarkson was great last night, and and those other players were great at times too. Here's the problem, though, Gordon, is when you know remember that excuse me that lineup Locke told us about that was having some success before the shutdown off the bench with um right. with Clarkson, Ingles, Conley, Niang, and and Tony Bradley. That lineup played last night. Um, in the, I think it was the beginning of the second quarter, that that lineup was in. And the problem with that lineup last night, and I don't know if there's a real answer to this, is they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. I mean, they were just atrocious defensively. The Jazz gave up 34 points in the second quarter. And George Niang, and, and we love him, and he was on the show this week, but he was absolutely terrible last night on both sides of the ball, and he just got lit up defensively. That, that might be the biggest issue, Gordon. It's not the scoring with the bench unit. It's stopping teams because they, well, they couldn't. Well, remember what George said. He said, uh, if I'm not making my shots, then what use am I? Well, that was certainly true last night. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that. His, his, uh, his, where he got just torched by Zion has been, I, I've got ESPN up here in the background in the studio, and I've seen that play at least four times that I've been sitting <laughs> here. Well, getting back to Jordan Clarkson for a second, and I wrote about Mike Conley and, and uh, Jordan Clarkson in my column because that, that point really struck home with me as I was watching the game. But one of the things that impressed me about Clarkson is he was not good in the first half as far as his efficiency goes scoring-wise. I no, don't have those. I don't have those stats in front of me right now. But he missed a lot of shots. He did, and oh. and he was taking a lot of threes. I think in the second yeah. half he made um, kind of a concerted effort. I don't know if this was a, a coaching thing or a Jordan thing, but he was going to get to the bucket. He was yeah. going to get some easy shots going for himself, and that's that's exactly what he did. It's kind of what the team it, did. 
I think it was a coaching thing. I, I think Quinn made that pretty clear to the guys. And look, Quinn's a guy who's telling him to take those the perimeter shots. Go ahead and fire away. But if you're – what was Clarkson? One of eight from three? Yeah. I mean, when you're doing that, I mean, pretty soon you got to – I, I know you're in the in the philosophy of shooting. Don't stop shooting. Uh, you know, you can't score if you stop. But, I mean, if you're one of eight from behind the arc, maybe it's time to start looking for other kinds of shots. And that's exactly like you said, what he did. And so the Jazz were able to get by. But if they had lost that game, Jake, I think we, we would have walked away from it feeling like uh, having some questions. Having some questions because it underscored that whole thing of the loss of Bogdanovich. And you heard uh, various announcers saying, uh, commenting on that, that uh, that's a problem for the Jazz. It is a problem for the Jazz. But they don't want to hear that right now. They wanted to go out and show they could do it. And they did get it done ultimately. But, yeah, I don't know. It's going to zig and zag a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. But I, I still stand by it. I thought the team played pretty well. I, I thought the good players, the players that they're going to count on, the Jazz go-to six in this case, I thought were really, really good. Okay, so when we talked about if the Jazz can't score uh, the way they want to with um, missing those 20.2 points from Bogdanovich, that we talked about that they could maybe make up for it at the defensive end, and you already brought this up. But how would you rate their overall defensive performance last night? Rudy, an A++++. The rest of the team, maybe like a C-. minus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm serious. And, and Locke had a bunch of great stats. I should, I should write this stuff down. Maybe Austin did. I doubt it. Uh, but uh, was, was talking about how uh, bad the Pelicans were in the half court. And granted, they want to run more than any other team in the league. But when they were running half court against Rudy, they got nothing. And, and you can think of some of those plays, some of those anecdotal plays jump out in your mind. Uh, it was Drew Holiday dribbled into the paint against Rudy and stopped uh, two or three times mm-hmm. where he may have forced the issue. But then, uh, and we, you know, we've all seen this so much, but they, they run into Rudy and they go, oh, maybe this wasn't a real great idea. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That's so I think Rudy dominated. Sometimes. Rudy dominated. Yeah. The rest of the team, hmm. But that's, that's how it's going to be. I mean, he's, he's the best defensive player in the league. You and I talked about it in the pregame that the Pelicans, prior to the stoppage, were averaging, what was it, 116.2 points a game? And they got 104 last night. Yeah. Uh, Austin has so, that stat for us. Gordon, you want to hear it? Yeah. C- courtesy of the previously mentioned David Locke. On Twitter at Lockdown Sports, he said Pelicans or the Jazz half court defense was amazing. Held the Pelicans to seventy three point one points per one hundred possessions in the half court, which is incredible. Which is in the ninety sixth percentile according to Clean the Glass. Yes, that's good. Hmm. Last time I checked, right. that was good. So and, yeah, and, I mean, Rudy's and, and awesome. I think you, yeah, you appropriately gave the credit there, exactly where it's due. But isn't that how it's going to be for the rest of this season? I mean, it is. I mean, Royce O'Neal is, is a good defender. He's going to take the other team's best player. He's going to win some and lose some in that matchup, and Rudy's awesome. But everybody else, I don't want to say they're liabilities on defense, but it's certainly not their strength. So what does this tell you when we talk about Rudy and his eligibility for the Supermax contract, and then you see a performance like last night where if they don't have them, they'd lose that game. Yeah, it, well, it it depends on your opinion on the value of defense in the modern NBA. Right. I mean, yeah. obviously the, the Houston Rockets don't care at all about defense. 
Well, I guess if you have Adrian Dantley on the floor, then maybe you score enough to make up for it. You can yeah, outscore right. folks. A little but old AD's school example. I like through that. that door. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well they, I'm just I mean, trying to think of a shorter guy who scored a lot. Um, but uh, but to your point, like like George Nyinga, not to pick on him, but but that is totally the truth. If George cannot make threes, then George cannot play. So do you, if you're Quinn Snyder, do you yank him immediately after he misses his first two or three shots? I see. That's the that's the thing. I don't know how you do that. I don't necessarily um, come along with you totally on if they're not going down, stop taking them. I, I I'm not sure I buy into that philosophy totally. But with George, and he's just the example we've picked out here. I mean, he is. He is a defensive liability. There's no doubt. I mean, he's not a terrific passer. He's not a great ball handler. I mean, he's there to be a bigger body that can shoot. And if he's not making shots. So who do you shots, go with in his absence? Jawan Howard, uh, Morgan? Or, Jawan Howard. Uh, Get Jawan. Yeah. Is he still coaching in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sign him to a contract. Sign him immediately. <laughs> Morgan? Or do you go with, uh, with uh, Jarrell Brantley? Well, are, are, are we talking about the playoffs, or are we talking about the the return, the play-in games, or whatever? Uh, we're well, let's them. say let's just say the, uh, the the regular season here. Uh, yeah, I might dip into the bench a little bit more if if George doesn't have it going, uh, because at least maybe you can get some some defensive value out of uh, out of somebody else. I mean, right now we're only talking about thirteen minutes. Uh, George only played thirteen minutes last night, but in the playoffs, but in a game in a game where you, the difference is two points at the end, those thirteen points. I mean, minutes might be pretty important. No, I got you. In the playoffs, I think they divide it. Uh, if George doesn't have it going, then they're going the the four guard lineup, and they'll they'll you know, congratulations, Joe Ingles, you're getting more minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Because they're just not a deep team. They're not. Yeah, they can't abide these. You know those times we talked about earlier where the Jazz went through these uh, stretches where they would just, you know, a horrible stretch or or a spectacular stretch. They're at the point now where I'm not sure they can abide that kind of thing. They've got to be more consistent than that. And I don't know how patient Quinn can be. Yeah. All right, speaking of Joe Ingles, we'll hear from him, uh, the Joe Ingles Show, this morning on DJ and PK. We'll get to that at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But coming up next, a very hyped Not Sports Report. I hope I didn't oversell it. I'm really looking forward to it. I know Austin is as well. We'll get to it next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to let you hear from uh, Joe Ingles, the Joe Ingles Show, coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. But right now it is time for the Not Sports Sport, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a little uh, hesitant to ask you this, but uh, where are we going today? We're going to Florida. All right. But before we get there, let me ask you and Austin a very personal question. No. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Have you ever either purposely or or by accident 
passed along a bad check. No. Oh, I don't I don't think I have written a bad check. No. How do you do that accidentally? And uh, I don't know, are checks a thing anymore? Maybe, well, I mean, yeah, I guess I've they probably are. written three in my whole life. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you, have you ever written a check for something and uh, there was not a sufficient funds to cover it? No, I understand what the premise of a bad check is, but no, <laughs> I'm I can count and add. Okay. Right. I don't right. think I have no. Well, let me tell you about a fellow by the name of Casey Kelly. He, a baseball uh, 40, player? No, 42-year-old man. He walked into a Destin, Florida Porsche dealership. Porsche. I think it's pronounced Porsche. It's Porsche. That's what it's pronounced. Uh, that's not what I In heard. Florida, it's definitely Porsche. It's definitely no, Porsche. No, we, we, asked, we asked the folks. We've asked qualified people, and they told you Porsche, and you refused to believe. Yeah, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> Okay, whatever. But uh, he walked into a Porsche dealership in Destin, Florida. Porsche. Porsche dealership, and he bought <laughs> he bought a Porsche 911 that looked just it looks just like my old one. It looks just honk, like honk. it. Honk. No, the same Where's color. The, the same. I mean, same the whole color. Thing. It was white. Yeah. What is what does your Porsche uh, have? Is it relevant to the story in some way? It looks just like my car, my old car. They all look that way. No, it, the 911. Yeah, it's pretty much had the same body style for quite some time now. <laughs> no, there are subtle differences, and this one is <laughs> white with the black with the black tie, wheels. This one hits the speed of sound in 35.6 seconds. This one 34. This one doesn't have coworkers' skin attached to it as you buzzed them through the crosswalk. A beautiful, beautiful vehicle. And he wrote a check for the car, and it turned out that he had printed the check out on his home computer, which I thought you could do. I thought, thought that was totally legal to do that. But uh, To make fake that, checks? No, I, I, I swear I thought back in the days <laughs> of writing checks, my wife used to print the checks out on the, on the computer printer. Oh, you mean, oh, I see. Like, fill in the, the number. Like, it's not... Yeah. She's not creating the check. She's filling out an official check, the little blank spots. Well, I don't know how it This works guy went because... to Print Shop Deluxe and made himself a fake check. <laughs> rolled down to... Why are they accepting <laughs> checks, by the way? That's what I and, thought. And don't you run it through the Equifax or <laughs> whatever it is? These these things. Yeah, right. They, I'm pretty they, sure they have to know up. that it's going to clear before they let you drive away in the Porsche. <laughs> he, 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 they didn't. He and he looks like I mean I guess you can't really judge people by the way they look but he he handed them the check for a sizable sizable amount of money and uh, gave them the check they gave him the car and he drove away. Uh, uh, let me ask you this: What does a, a legitimate uh, Porsche customer look like, Gordon? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't know. Let me go to at but, Gordon Monson on Twitter. Yeah, but uh, but he it? gave he gave him the check. They said, well, "Thank you very much." He drove away, and they later found out that it was a bogus check. They didn't check the check. Uh, maybe he had somehow conned them into thinking he was uh, he was legit or whatever. And then after he drove away with the with the Porsche, he went to a jewelry store nearby. 
and uh, wrote a check for uh, $61,521 for three Rolex watches. So he got greedy. And the, the jewelry store did their diligence and had him arrested? They did. The jewelry yeah. kept the while well, they didn't have him arrested, but they kept the watches until it could be determined if the check would actually cash. And uh, it was reported that the, uh, the check was fake. So, so and, here's my here's my hot take on this, real quick, Gordon. You ready? Or unless I'm missing uh, details, or there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Here's my hot take. He should okay. get to keep the car, get to keep the Porsche, <laughs> because they didn't hold up their end of the deal. They didn't uh, check it. Because that's got to be the dumbest Porsche dealership ever. I don't think our good friends, the Strongs, are just taking a check and saying, "We'll see you later." <laughs> This says here this check is signed by Donald Duck. <laughs> so <laughs> Sounds yeah, good to me. I'm sure it's fine. Enjoy the ride. In fact, here's some free driving gloves for you. <laughs> but how did this individual think he was going to get away with it? Well, he, he did for a time. Well, uh, yeah, but for a very short time. And now he's going to end up uh, allegedly playing, paying the uh, piper for it, right? I don't know. Gordon, you cheat on your taxes. How long do you think you'll get away with that? I didn't, I've never cheated on my taxes, nor would I. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, I just, I mean, now, was it worth it? Was it worth the joyride there? Because now, now they're on to you. You know, Gordon, you, know? you, you ask me all the time to, to justify behavior from uh, moron criminals. And I, I just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm at a loss often. You're like, how could somebody do this? I don't know, Gordon, but people do well, it. I will say this. The man might be a criminal. The man may not be very smart, but the man has good taste in cars. Because that is a beautiful, beautiful vehicle. Nah. If you're buying your car with a check, it's yeah. probably not that great of a car. I would probably go for one of those half Jeep, half trucks. Who would drive one of those? I don't know, but that's probably. I've once heard someone ridiculous refer to that as a pickup truck. I'm trying to remember if I've ever bought a car with a check. I think I have, but it was a real check. What What about uh, your your current car? Not the the truck Jeep, but the other one. What did What did you use there? Gold doubloons. Um... <laughs> What, what did I use? I Pirate think I, gold? I, yeah, just an X on a map in the no, Maldives. I I, no, I think I used a credit, credit card. Oh, well. <laughs> what, wait, wait a minute. The, what Jeez. is this? The 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 Amex? Uh, what's the what's the no limit? It'd have to be Amex plutonium. Yeah, at right. That, that level. you have to like murder somebody to get. <laughs> the black, the black card. Did you just put it on your diners club, Gordon? <laughs> Uh, it's Excuse good me, to have take, uh, a big stash of money. You take Diners Club. <laughs> I've got a couple of friends that have got the black card. It's uh, you have one, obviously. Uh, I I can't remember exactly how that happened. You put the it, GDP of Costa Rica on it. Yeah, it's got to be that. Yeah, I can't just take my visa and buy a car like that. I mean. Yeah, my line of credit ain't that large. I don't know. Imagine pan- right, my pan- little debit. handing him a couple wait, cards. Wait. Like, can you can you put Hold half on, on here <laughs> and no, half on I, here? No, I got to make I the th- payment by Friday. No, no, no. I think I I think I I think I paid a down payment with the credit card, and then I had to use like a debit card or something oh. after that. Or something. 
You you debited a car like that? All right, this is where the this is where the conversation just ends. Well, I mean, we were having fun. So that means you had like two hundred grand in cold hard cash just ready to go. Look, I want you guys to look that car up. It is a thing of beauty. I mean, it, it, what it's, the the it, Porsche? Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, the pickup. I understand. I understand his temptation. I just don't understand his uh, motivation. Why he would do that? I think he's going to get away with it. Well, is you know, he did get away with it, and it, then he did it again, and, and didn't and get away. Of course, with you it. understand the well, temptation. He, he the temptation is vanity. He got he. <laughs> he must really like to drive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. We're going to let you hear from Joe Eagles coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.